This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Welcome to the TriDot Podcast. There are a number of products on the marketplace that promise to boost our body's ability to recover. And today, I have two experts on the show here to tell us what works, how it works, and maybe what doesn't work as much as advertised. Lots of good stuff coming your way. Our key guide for this talk is our resident nutritional expert, Dr. Krista Austin. Krista is an exercise physiologist and nutritionist who consulted with the U.S. Olympic Committee and the English Institute of Sport. She's a PhD in exercise physiology and sports nutrition, a master's degree in exercise physiology, and is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Krista, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me again, Harley. Excited to cover this one. Joining us for this conversation as well is pro triathlete and coach Elizabeth James. Elizabeth is a USAT Level 2 and Ironman U certified coach who quickly rose through the triathlon ranks using TriDot. From a beginner to a top age grouper to a professional triathlete. She's a Kona and Boston Marathon qualifier who has coached triathletes with TriDot since 2014. Elizabeth, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's great to be here today. Well, I am Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we'll roll through our warm-up question, settle in for our main set conversation, and then wind things down with Vanessa interviewing a TriDot coach uh, on the cooldown. Lots of good stuff. Let's get to it. Time, time to warm up. Let's get moving. No matter how nutritiously disciplined you are as an individual, we all have a snack or a treat that is a weakness for us. As in, if it's in the house, we're going to eat more of that food item than we probably should. Elizabeth, Krista, for our warm-up question today, what is a not-so-super-healthy food that you simply cannot resist if it's in the room? Elizabeth James. Well, I think some of our listeners are probably already knowing the answer to this one. Um, I've talked about it before, and it's, I mean, the love of chocolate and ice cream. So put those together. If there is chocolate ice cream in the room, that is going to be really, really hard for me to pass up. Um, probably, you know, have a serving, if not going back for seconds. What What is the, like, what, what's your feeling on, like, vanilla, other flavors? Are, are those also a weakness, or is it just specifically chocolate ice cream, you're going to pound it? Yeah, vanilla, not the same. I mean, Charles has some caramel okay. ice cream in the freezer right now. That doesn't tempt me at all. But, man, if it was chocolate in there, you can bet that, like, I'd be having some of that. So it's it's just the chocolate. Is there a specific like brand flavor that is just like your go-to? Are you are you just impartial? If it's chocolate ice cream, you're all over it. So when we lived in Nebraska, it was actually the High V brand. It was just the grocery okay. store brand, plain chocolate ice cream. Never heard of it? Absolutely yeah, loved it. it. Um, down here in Texas, I mean, Bluebell is a favorite, but there's also this. Um, it's private selection, and it's like double fudge mousse something I, mm. but it's like chocolate with fudge in there and so it's like chocolate mm. on chocolate on chocolate and um yeah that would be extremely hard to resist all right you know while we're talking about ice cream just had to follow up and uh kind of get get some specifics there on your preferences uh dr austin what is this answer for you i have so many to be honest i'm not sure i can <laughs> choose just one so <laughs> Um, I would say anything chocolate or salt based, like a chip is actually truly a weak point for me. So like if you come into my house, you're going to be like, oh, she has nothing in here at present. I wonder why. Well, it's because if it's there, I'm going to keep going back and going back and going back for it. So typically what I try to do is just keep it for a trip out and okay, make it fair. a trip yeah. out here and there. Um, but I definitely just, I think because I do hold back on a regular basis, 
Um, once I do get around certain sweet treats or salty <laughs> treats, I'm like, Ooh, let's eat them all. And so I think I actually have to be probably more careful than some people. You know, it's like, if I go over, I have a, it's like a Walgreens or a CVS next to my house. And if I go over there and just like walk down the candy aisle, it's like, Ooh, there's hot tamales. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, there's sugar babies. <laughs> ooh, there's reasons, you know? And I start just going, Ooh, Ooh. And yeah, we just have to walk out of the store at that point. <laughs> yeah. The, the Walgreens candy aisle can definitely be uh, dangerous. They got a lot of great movie snacks and, uh, and stuff there, uh, all in one place, all in one shelf. Uh, mm-hmm. now, now, Krista, can you think of, you, you referenced, uh, when you splurge, you really splurge and you splurge hard. What was the last occasion that you can think of where you did that? Oh, gosh. Um, we had a big um, kind of finale here at the end of March. And I was so stressed that whole time. Like, wasn't it was not great at all in terms of, like, ability to do anything balanced with nutrition. And afterwards, I'm just like, just give me some of each of it. Like, the candy, just give me some of each of it because we just finished this. Um, so I do recall having some of each of those candies, um, and even going out for a dinner here at, um, one of the Mexican restaurants in town, um, and just enjoying the chips and salsa, right. And the fajitas. And it was one of those things where you're like, Oh, thank goodness it's over. So (laughs) I will say it was not that long ago, almost a month ago, but, um, that was definitely, yeah. A time where I, I said, okay, but if you come in right now, you're gonna be like, wow, there's, there's not a lot of excitement in your kitchen, Krista. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. If, if it's not in the pantry, you can't eat it. That is definitely a motto in our household. Uh, we are strategic when we do, uh, that the answer I actually wrote down for this question is, uh, uh, sweet tart jelly beans. My wife, we were in target the other day and she decided to try a couple different brands of jelly beans. We got Sour Patch Kids jelly beans, we got the Starburst jelly beans, and we got Sweet Tart jelly beans. Um, I've never had the Sweet Tart ones, and I've never had the Sour Patch ones before. Those were new for us, and she mixed them all in the same bin. Uh, and I just thought, oh, those aren't Jelly Belly, so I'm going to be able to ignore that bin very easily. That was false, because uh, I had to try them, and the Starburst ones are okay. The Sour Patch ones were okay, but the Sweet Tart jelly, uh, the, the Sweet Tart jelly beans were exceptional. They were very, very good. They were very unique for a jelly bean. And so I had one night in particular uh, where I was on the couch, I was holding baby girl, we're just watching TV, and I just kind of went snack city on some sweet tart jelly beans, and I felt awful the rest of the evening. So I had to bring that one up. Uh, we're going to throw this question out to you, our audience. I know uh, everybody has some sort of a weakness, and I'm curious to hear what yours is. So make sure you're a part of the I Am Trotta Facebook group. I'm going to throw this question out Uh, the day this episode comes out like I always do. So find the post and let us know. What is that food snack weakness for you? On to the main set. Going in three, two, one. Back on episode 101 of the Trout Out Podcast, we learned from sports scientist Andy Blow that there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to hydration because everyone loses a different amount of salt in their sweat. As someone with a high sweat rate and someone who suffered from cramping in the past, I, I've been very keen to get a better understanding from Andy on how much salt I lose in my sweat. So when he joined us at Tridot Ambassador Camp in St. George, uh, I had him give me a sweat test, and I found out that I lose more than 1,200 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat. After taking the test, I received a personalized hydration plan and was recommended their strongest electrolyte drink, pH 1500 which is three times stronger than most sports drinks. It has absolutely been a game changer for me, particularly since I train in hot conditions. If you've ever struggled with hydration issues in the past, it is worth checking out precisionfuelandhydration.com and finding your nearest center for a sweat test. You can also use their fuel and hydration planner to get free personalized strategies for race day. And don't forget, as a listener of the show, you can get 10% off your very first order of electrolytes and fueling products by using the code TRY23 when checking out. From food items to dietary supplements and recovery drinks, there are so many things on the market today that promise to help boost our body's ability to recover from the training and racing that we all do. 
If you are like me, you simply don't have the time or the wallet to buy and try everything that claims it can help you out. So that's why I've enlisted Dr. Krista Austin and pro triathlete Elizabeth James to help us sort through what is genuinely a great product and what might not be worth our time and money. Uh, now, Dr. Austin, you have joined the show quite a bit to talk about nutrition, fueling, hydration, et cetera. So I know our listeners associate your name with food episodes. And there will be a lot of food and supplement items talked about on the show today. Uh, what hasn't come up as much with you is that you are well-studied in strength and conditioning. You're a specialist in that area. You have degrees in that area as well. Uh, so so I, I trust those will come in handy for portions of our conversation today. Uh, tell our audience a little bit more about your background and your work in that arena. So technically, you would call me a physiologist, okay? And there's different okay. types of physiologists that have specializations, whether it's in nutrition, strength and conditioning, environmental. There's even aerospace physiologists. Um, so when I started into the field, I started with the Olympic Committee actually as a strength and conditioning intern, okay? Um, and then when they start to find out that you've got a little bit more to give, um, they started to pull me across to be more multifunctional for them. Um, and that's where at that time, physiologists not only did strength and conditioning to help integrate it with training, but they also did nutrition components. Gotcha. Yeah. So although my career has been used for a wide variety of things, um, including athletes to help optimize recovery through nutrition, I've also done it through things like working on mobility, sleep, um, you know, train loads. So all kinds of avenues, not just nutrition, but I have been known for the nutrition side because I like to do things a little bit differently. Um, and back in the day, it was kind of like, what is she doing? So um, I think that's why nutrition typically is what resounds with everyone. Yeah, and our, our nutrition episodes with you are definitely some of our more popular ones. So as always, thanks for your your time and your expertise. Now, Krista, I know uh, you made an, an appearance at our 2022 St. George Ambassador Camp uh, and kind of did some, you, you gave a talk to our, our entire camp. Then you also did, some one-on-one -on -one consultations with athletes that were there. Uh, and while you were there, Dr. BJ Leeper, our staff uh, physical therapist was, was there and he loves talking about physiology. He loves talking about recovery. Uh, did, did the two of you get a chance to talk shop at all while you were both in St. George? No, we didn't. St. George was a whirlwind. Like for me, it was, yeah. Yeah. I was coming back from a, a trip with a team, got to come in for a few days and really it was like, boom, 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 person after person. Um, and then I had to get back up and out of there cause I had to go take, I think another trip with another team. So, uh, it was, but maybe sometime we'll get a chance to chat. So. Well, I will have to wrangle the both of you onto a podcast episode. One of these days, BJ has been a great resource for, for us to learn about physiology, strength uh, and conditioning recovery. And I, I know he would love to, to chat with you about that. So we'll line that up in the future, but for today, uh, it's me, you, and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, I asked you to join this talk uh, as kind of our staff professional triathlete. Uh, being literally at the pointiest end of the performance spectrum, I know that you leave no stone unturned when it comes to op optimizing your recovery. So so just kind of talk to us about uh, your process, what you do, what you've looked at, and uh, and why and how you prioritize recovery so much in your own training. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Um, I certainly do know the importance of allowing like the body to make the adaptations necessary after training. And so the body really needs to rebuild after we break it down during a hard training session. And I mean, I'll admit that this is something that I could still have a lot of improvement on. Um, I still face a number of challenges to get in, you know, proper recovery from each session. But it's something that at this point, I'm very mindful about. And especially over like the past two years, um, I found that, you know, I absolutely love training. And at one point I found that I was really just under recovering. And so I, I wanted to keep training, but I wasn't really able to allow my body the opportunity to absorb that load that I was putting into it. And it's, it's amazing how, you know, being mindful about recovery can really enhance your performance. It's not always about working harder or doing more. It's about allowing the body to really take on what you've put into it and, and see that performance gain from, 
you know, the stress that we've put on and then the adaptation process that happens afterwards. So yeah, in, in terms of like recovery things, I know today we're going to talk through a bunch and I mean, just looking through the list, I was like, Oh, yep. Tried that, tried that, tried that. <laughs> so I, I definitely have a, a lot of personal experience there. Um, in addition to, you know, some recommendations that I've given my coached athletes or, or what they've tried and kind of their anecdotal experiences as well. Yeah. And I, I do want to be clear. There are so many different ways uh, you, you can boost your recovery. There's a lot of things you can do, uh, both clinical and with uh, physical therapists, with specialists. Uh, I tried to really focus on things that come across our feed as triathletes, whether it's on your social media feed or just commercials or or whatever, th- thing, things that you can go out and buy and try that promise to boost your recovery, uh, really on top of a lot of the things that we're supposed to be doing. So uh, I, I, have, I have a big list. It, it's, a, it's a top 10 style list of potential recovery boosters, things that tell us they can boost our recovery. And I, I'm just going to go item by item down the list. And Dr. Austin will hear your expert analysis on each one. And Elizabeth, uh, you'll provide us with uh, any real world commentary you have from trying these things out uh, from your own day-to-day training. So let's go through our list. Recovery booster number one that I want to talk about today is CBD. CBD is packaged in a few different types of products that promise to aid our recovery. Uh, Dr. Austin, does CBD actually spark recovery in triathletes? So technically, for those that struggle with sleep or anxiety or have pain-related issues, you can say that CBD, that in fact does have THC in it, and remember that is a banned substance, does in fact help improve those aspects, okay? So, so we can't deny the research literature that those, those factors improve with the use of a CBD that contains THC, okay? What's tough about this product in particular is that sometimes because of the regulation here in the US, we don't always know if we're getting a quality product. However, we all know how important sleep is and decreasing stress, especially if it's related to anxiety. And so it has some potential, okay? There are more controlled studies that are needed, but if you work with the right person to evaluate it, you can probably properly understand if CBD is something that you need to take into consideration. You have to sit back as an athlete and say, you know, what all have I tried to do in order to alleviate the, you know, sleep issues I'm having, anxiety, pain, before you ever really walk down that CBD road. But if nothing else is working, you need to know that it may be a viable option. Um, You know, there's a number of potential natural compounds that exist and require some further validation so that they can come onto the market kind of at that FDA medication level. Um, And we know that they're going to help with areas like sleep and mental health disorders. Okay, so oftentimes when athletes say, oh, wow, CBD, oh, my goodness, that must be doping. Take a step back, actually, and realize that it may just be a natural compound that you have to have a physician properly oversee in order to be allowed to use it if you're competing at a level where they have the potential to test you. But what we can't deny is that there is some viability there. We just got to assess it properly. So it is out there on the market. It does work. The research is sufficient enough on CBD that contains THC, the active compound, um, to actually work, okay, for things like sleep and anxiety. So it's got viability if we're having sleep issues and we can't figure out why we're having them. And I'm really glad that you brought up, you know, THC and and how, you know, some of those CBD products will contain those or others will kind of merit their publishing in terms of like, this is THC free. And it's really important to know if that's an ingredient in that. And then also understand your in competition and out of competition compliance with the anti-doping regulations. Um, I, I know that for a while I was coaching an athlete that was kind of coming back after, after a number of cancer treatments. And so we had worked together and filed a, a TUE to have a CBD product that had the THC in it so that she could sleep because of the pain from all of the cancer treatments. Um, now I've, I've tried some CBD products that were THC free and I, I found no benefit there. And that's one of the things that I can kind of, you know, point back to the literature and see, I mean, like 
for the athlete that was using it and the product that contained the THC, that was a very helpful thing for her. I mean, she had a lot of trouble sleeping without it. Um, but you know, without that THC, I, I haven't personally found, you know, a a benefit to it. Now, some reputable companies will post their like batch testing results on the website for public view and kind of offer that reassurance that the product is permissible for athletes to use to stay in anti-doping compliance. Um, you know, some athletes will use that it's THC free. They're, you know, batch tested, they say it works for them. Maybe it's just a placebo effect. Um, I haven't, you know, found anything that uh, without that THC would be a beneficial thing for me. Um, but, you know, again, if it if it's making them feel better or feeling like they're recovered, there's there's a mental aspect to that, too. Uh, Dr. Austin, is there a, a specific form of CBD product that is kind of more viable and more effective? Or is it just if it has CBD in it and it's and it's a, a reputable brand. It's it's fair game to try. What, what what's your recommendation here for our listeners on on what to put into practice? Yeah. So when it comes down to these CBD products, I think looking at the brands like Elizabeth mentioned, who puts you know um, copies of their actual testing at least for quality control up and available is really important. Um, I haven't had a ton of athletes have success with CBD. Um, in and of itself, unless it has the THC or even people that just have chronic pain. um, Typically, they're using a product that has the THC in it. And that's what's allowing them to actually uh, decrease the pain. And that's where the research is focused around. So at least start with a company that's going to put their content analyses, whether it's from NSF or Banned Substance Control Group, whoever it is, put it out there for you so that you can at least know that it's been tested for, for some type of quality assurance. Yeah, no, very uh, helpful context. Uh, recovery booster number two, we're going to talk about ketone esters. Now, our listeners have certainly heard the Tridot team profess our love for Delta G ketone drinks. Uh, Dr. Austin, what do ketones do specifically to enhance our recovery? I remember you were on the show with us one time and you actually said your number one reason for having athletes you work with kind of incorporate ketones into their routine is the, the benefit to recovery. Uh, so, so what, what is it that ketones do for us and, and how do we use these in our recovery regimen? So essentially what they've shown with the ketones is that, you know, they go ac- across the blood brain barrier and they can dampen what they call the stress response. And a lot of times we measure this by what's called catecholamines. Okay. So epinephrine, norepinephrine, and they just don't stay as high afterwards. Um, And what they found in athletes is that they were actually able to tolerate high training loads that much better. And in some athletes, we'll do a period of what's called overreaching, where we intentionally push them to their limits, in essence, and try to ask them to hold it for like a week to 10 days. And when they gave them ketone esters during that time, they were actually better able to do it a whole lot better. Now, When you think about that, you say, well, gosh, should I start taking them every day so that I can push my body that hard? And the answer actually is is no. Okay, we want you to naturally uh, be, you know, controlling your central nervous system um, after hard sessions. Um, But when you have periods of time where you can intentionally say, I need to recover better and faster, you might take a look at ketone esters as a way to do that because of its impact on the central nervous system. At the same time, you also have to use caution because they do handle that session just that much better. And I'll tell you, you know, people think, oh, well, gosh, you know, I feel great. Maybe I should just come back into training that much faster. And that's where we would actually be making a mistake. We want you to recover better, but it doesn't mean that you should go out there and and go hammering away um, just because you can't. You could end up doing the same thing and just leading yourself to overtraining. Um, and if you think it's, you know, not possible, I will tell you, we had um, a historical group uh, that they actually were bringing through the 1996 Olympics. Um, and the physiologist at the time didn't understand hyperoxic training very well and the need to recover from it. And despite the talent of this group, uh, they actually got roasted and toasted because they felt like, wow. you know, they, they just could walk away from it. We're cool. We can come back and do more. So always be judicious with it and make sure that even if you've enhanced recovery so that you can perform better and faster, 
that you take the time to truly recover when you do these things. Yeah, absolutely. And we love our friends at Delta G are, are very, very good about educating athletes. And they've come on our show several times. I actually have a recording at the time we're recording this next week. I'm recording with Brian from Delta G, uh, some content for our YouTube show where we're going to talk about, you know, leveraging Delta G ketone esters properly for recovery. But it's interesting to hear you talk about how it, it can help you recover so much better and it can help you push harder in your session so much better to the point that you need to be judicial with using it and not overuse it, not overtax your body because you're using it. You know, it, it's fun to use it for like a session and, and, to, and to pop a bottle of Delta G Performance or, or pop a bottle of Delta G Tactical and, and kind of see how much stronger you can perform in a session. Like that's fun to do a couple of times and it's great on race day. But uh, what, what I find myself, where I find myself using it even more than that is using their coffee booster just in my, in my coffee in the morning, especially now that I have a newborn and I need a little boost to my my mental acuity uh, throughout the day to, to work and host podcasts. Uh, but then I, I know the team at Delta G also recommends just pouring a teaspoon of the coffee booster in your post-workout recovery smoothie, uh, just for a, a little, a little drop kind of in that, in that recovery. And I find myself doing those two things, just a teaspoon here and a teaspoon there and the coffee and the recovery drink, uh, more so than I do actually like fueling sessions with it. Um, uh, Elizabeth, I remember for you, we were in Waco for Ironman Waco the, the year I was racing and you, you, uh, the, the day before the race, you had something like a five and a half, six hour indoor trainer session. And, and you had your, you can lined up, you had your hydration plan lined up, you know, bottles, bo bottle after bottle after bottle on, on, on the table. And you had a couple, uh, bottles of Delta G performance next to you and you were using it. Um, do, do you also use their drinks for recovery as well? Um, not, not as much in terms of like adding just a little bit in, um, for like frequent recovery of sessions. But I will say that on the sessions that I have used it as kind of like a, a race rehearsal type, um, practice, I have found that the recovery from those sessions has been so much easier and I've felt so much better the days after than I would if I hadn't used it. And so two days ago, um, I did kind of a, a race simulation workout and I, I mean, used the Delta G. I felt fantastic during the session. I felt fantastic, um, the day after, but I, I mean, my coach was still very diligent in like, no, you pushed hard yesterday. So today is still a recovery day. Like, yeah. Even if you're feeling great, like you're going to do a nice, like easy swim, like a little spin out, like it's still a recovery day, even if you don't necessarily feel as taxed from that session. But, you know, looking at your power data, looking at your heart rate, like, yeah, you pushed hard. So we still need to recover. So, I mean, everything that Dr. Austin was just saying in terms of like, yes, there's great benefit in not only kind of the performance boost that you can get. The recovery from it afterwards, but you do need to also be diligent and understand still what you put your body through in, in that case as well. Yeah. For, uh, for our, my athletes listening who use tread out training, the, the beauty of tread out training is on a hard session where you use a little bit of the ketone ester to help you recover. Uh, tried out doesn't know that you use ketone esters, so they're not, it, it, we're not going to have you go any harder the next day. Anyway. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you just got to follow your tried out training plan and you're not going to push too hard anyway. So Recovery booster number three. I'm going to move us along. Uh, tart cherry and beet supplements. Uh, both are very red. Both are very potent uh, when in drink form and very small in pill form. Now, both of these for me, uh, and granted, I've only tried both of these once or twice. I have not extensively used them to see if I noticed much of a difference. But but for me, both of these didn't seem to make too much of a difference when when I tried some samples uh, Dr. Austin, can, can either of these more natural tart cherry beetroot supplement items help in recovery? You know, they can if you choose to use them at times when the body probably really has a good bit of inflammation. Or maybe you're someone who struggles with sleep um, and it has the ability to then help you improve your sleep by a certain pathway. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, always the question comes is, you know, how much pain are you really in? How much inflammation are you really in on a day-to-day -day basis? Hopefully that's not the case day-to-day. -day. Um, and then, of course, if you can't sleep, you know, why can you not sleep? So overall, you take a look at tart cherry juice. It's a high glycemic carb. Okay. So if you take it before bed, 
it's going to elevate blood glucose and you're going to get an insulin response that helps induce your sleep. Okay. Um, it may also help alter just like what we call a serotonergic pathway that can kind of get, I, I call it getting backed up in essence, because you are endurance athletes. Um, so just different compounds within the tart cherry may actually be helping that pathway. And it's why it helps you get to sleep. Um, but overall, the research has shown if you've got high levels of inflammation, um, it's going to lessen pain. It's going to help you get a good strength response because you do get your range of motion back a little bit faster because the inflammation is, is down. Um, but oftentimes my concern with these studies is that they're not conducted very realistically. Um, the way they apply a load and the extent to which they sometimes put um, you know, muscle damage into someone don't always mimic what triathletes do. So what I would always recommend is that if you're looking for something to help you sleep or looking for something to help you kind of recover from these really hard training days, ask yourself, is this what I really need? Or do I maybe need just some real food? Okay. Am I just sore and inflamed because I'm not fueling my body properly? And oftentimes- mm, interesting. That's the case with athletes, uh, especially if they're trying to lose weight uh, while they are training, especially training heavily. Um, so factors like that have to be taken into consideration. Same thing kind of with beetroot supplements. Um, they have been shown to help with sleep um, and to possibly reduce inflammation as well, just like tart cherry. And the question is, why might beetroot actually help? You know, I mean, I've had people who drink beetroot juice as part of their nighttime routine. Again, you're going to get a little bit of a glycemic response, but it does have nitrate in it. And we think in these individuals, it may be altering their blood pressure response to allow them to just kind of decompress um, a little bit better and with improved circulation, go to sleep better. Okay. Um, so a lot of thoughts around that, but it's hard to really confirm especially in athletes. Okay. A lot of those studies on beetroot are done in the everyday person, especially ones who maybe have a, a actual blood pressure issue. So um, lots of questions on these two. The question is why is it working? And typically it's working to help people sleep. So don't rule it out. Very interesting. Yeah. But you can't rule it in all the way. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not so much that it's helping our body recover, helping our, our muscles directly recover. It's just lessening inflammation, potentially helping us sleep. And then, and thus indirectly could help the right athlete recover a little bit faster. Yeah. And the question is, is it any better than carbohydrate itself? Like if I went and I was like, Hey, I'm going to induce a high glycemic response. I have some of these sweet tart jelly beans that I can give you before bed <laughs> and you get just as much carbohydrate yes. as you do in the, in the tart cherry. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> you know, we might find that Andrew decides to choose the jelly beans over the tart cherry and goes, Krista, it works great to reduce inflammation, and improve sleep. So yeah, give, give me the real carbs all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that might be the answer. Now, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, is this something that you've tried? Have you played with either of these? I've actually played with both of them. Um, yes, because okay. sleep has, has always been kind of a little bit of a struggle for me as has been you know, same like girl, same. internal inflammation. Um, and there, I just don't sleep. That, that's my strategy. I just, yeah, I just <laughs> well, see not good strategy. We, we need that sleep. So I, I was really looking for something that was going to help me sleep better. And I remember in particular, um, there was a spring semester while I was still teaching and just with state testing and the end of the year, I mean, stress level was super high and I was trying to figure out like, how can I decompress? How can I sleep a little bit better? Because I, I'm just to the point of like not being able to train because I don't have enough sleep. And, and so I looked at both tart cherry and beetroot supplements. Um, I like both of them. I, I think they both taste great. I enjoy <laughs> having them. Um, it, it's kind of one of those things where I don't know if it was more of a placebo effect or if it really did help, you know, with that kind of glycemic response and and allow me to just relax a little bit better and sleep um it it worked in that season that I needed it to um it's not something that I continue to do now but I would say there were a good four months where I mean I was either doing tart cherry or beetroot supplements um to help sleep and 
it was effective for me. Okay. All right. Yeah. Great. Uh, great stuff. Uh, recovery booster number four. Uh, now these are two different things as well. I'm, I'm grouping them together anyway. Uh, BCAAs and omega threes. Now I group these together because I remember back when I graduated college and I became an adult trying to stay in shape, uh, in the real world, um, tons of kind of pre and post workout products promote their inclusion of both of these. Uh, so what are they? What do they do? And do they boost recovery? Dr. Austin? Well, we'll kick off with BCAAs. I will tell you that for the most part, if you've got a amino rich um, nutrition plan, typically it's not going to help you out all that much just because of how we store amino acids in the body. But I will tell you that for people that are in a state of muscle breakdown, so maybe that's when they're going through um, really high periods of training where they just can't seem to compensate quite enough through nutrition um, or they're in energy restriction because they are, you know, trying to lose weight and they might not have all the amino acids available. Maybe they have a nutrition plan they follow that for some reason they can't hit all of the amino acids like they need to. So key points in time, I would tell you, I definitely incorporate them so that we have the amino acids we need for muscle repair. Okay, so the question is, you know, can you always step in with real food, real, real nutrition um, and get the job done? And if not, then how do we, you know, offer BCAAs as a means to help achieve that? I do know as people age as well, sometimes we're trying to create an anabolic effect in, in the body um, and we'll tend to increase protein intake, amino acid availability just because they don't have the hormones in the body that would naturally help them build muscle um, like they typically would. So sometimes we look at it from that perspective too. Are they in a stage of life where BCAs would, would be of benefit? I'm really glad that you brought up that last part too. Um, as we were at Endurance Exchange this year, there was a fantastic talk about um, women and going through menopause and, and just, you know, some of the different changes in their body. And one of the recommendations that they had is, you know, look at your protein intake, think about, you know, are you able to get all of these amino acids from your nutrition plan? Or is this something that you really need to start looking more at or supplementing at this point in your life? And I think another misconception among athletes with BCAAs is that, you know, they, they think of it as a protein replacement and they're not complete proteins. I mean, these are intended to help optimize the benefits of that, but it's not going to replace, you know, having chicken or it's not going to replace your protein shake. Um, and so they're great to kind of help along those lines. Um, but nutrition from real food is still going to be key. And then using this as kind of an additional supplement if needed can be great. Yeah, while we're talking about protein, uh, I, I I just found, and again, longtime listeners of the podcast will have heard me talk about Cheez-Its before, uh, Quest, the, the company that does like uh, Quest, like protein cookies, protein chips, they now have a, they just released a protein like cheesy cracker. And so that has replaced Cheez-Its in my pantry. And uh, and honestly, it's, it's, in my, uh, it's in my bedroom as my kind of like midnight snack when I'm up at 3 a.m. feeding the baby and I'm a little hungry. I will have some protein Cheez-Its at three in the morning. And, uh, and, and, and Krista, I, I can't read by your face if you're pleased with this or if, uh, if that is not a product I should be using. <laughs> That's a conversation we can have after the show. Uh, omega-3s. Uh, let, let's move on to omega-3s <laughs> and talk about uh, their role in potentially helping us recover. Yeah, so omega-3s have been known to possibly help reduce pain and inflammation. However, the, the research isn't always realistic. So I always come back to this. You know, I think if we have a diet that is rich in omega-3s, and sometimes that's always the question with people, do you have enough omega-3s in your day-to-day -day nutrition, then, then typically a supplement is not needed. Um, but I think, you know, I've said it once and I'll say it again, there's a lot of ways to reduce pain and inflammation from significant muscle damage. The question is, does omega-3s or a supplement, you know, really fit that bill for you? Or can you do something just nutritionally? You know, people are always surprised when, you know, I have these dinners and the meal plans I give them back. And they're like, yeah, like twice a week you have these omega, you know, three rich, you know, fish dinner options. And we're having all this fish and then some vegetables. 
Um, and the whole goal is to give them the omega-3s they really need in solid doses, right? And I put in a lot of avocados, walnuts, things of that nature to help boost omega-3s in the diet and try to hold back on the omega-6 side of the coin. So I think there's a lot we can do with food here. Um, but if you're totally opposed to it, like one of my clients right now, she says, I'm not willing to eat any of these things. We might go for a supplement. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's, it comes down to, you know, what are you able to do? Okay, interesting. So we do need omega-3s in our system to, to help our body recover. We can we can primarily get it through real foods in uh, most people unless you have a dietary restriction. Uh, Elizabeth, it sounds like I would imagine, I would guess very, very strongly, I would put money on the fact that you probably get this through your day-to-day -day nutrition. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I do supplement this as well, though. And oh, a lot of this has to do with my genetic history and just super high cholesterol. And so, I mean, to be honest, my cholesterol is scary high through the roof. And so I, I love walnuts. I love avocados. I, you know, love eating fish. So getting those omega threes through a day to day diet is easy, um, important. But I'm also supplementing with a with a supplement um, to to just kind of aid in the cholesterol um, aspect as well. Okay, recovery booster number five. Let's talk about recovery balms. There are lots of brands that have a lotion or a balm that you rub on your aching muscles, and they promise relief. Doing a little homework, the active ingredient in many of these is menthol and or methyl salicylate. Can these bombs enhance our recovery or are they just some form of uh, temporary relief or placebo effects? So there's very little research to actually support that they're going to enhance recovery. Okay. But might they, you know, kind of leave you feeling good um, right away in a specific area that maybe you're like, oh, this is tender or what have you. Yes. Okay. So do you ever stop athletes from using them? The answer is no. Um, so I kind of put these in the same bucket as, you know, why you might go for a massage. You know, when you go for a massage, everything gets loosened up, you know, a lot of range of motion, a lot of um, shifting of blood flow and metabolic aspects. And so you will get, you know, a good acute effect. All right. But like long term is the, you know, methanol, you know, helping you recover better. Um, I would say no. I've actually worked in some sports where they use it to try to dampen the pain. And they say, well, this is just going to help me get through it, Krista. So, you know, if you think about that, it's probably not going to help recovery. It may just allow them to keep going until they can get home and, and truly recover. Um, so always interesting being in a sport where they might use this to manipulate pain while they're out, uh, you know, in, in competition. Um, so I think, you know, you got to look at your recovery tools and say, do I want something that has lasting effects? Do I need something with acute effects? There's no right or wrong answer. Um, so I try to say, look, you know, if, if it feels good in the moment, you know, icy hot or, you know, whatever it is, if you want to, you know, do some eucalyptus oils, um, you know, go ahead, um, peppermint oils, because it does psychologically help. Then I say, go ahead with it. Yeah. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, would definitely tell me to use Icy Hot in one of the 46 uh, uh, commercials that he's in on a daily basis on my television. Uh, Elizabeth, uh, uh, do you listen to Shaq? Is this something that you use in your recovery uh, program? So the smell of menthol reminds me of our high school soccer team. And I mean, talk about, you know, people just using wow. it for, <laughs> yes, exactly. But people <laughs> using it for almost like that pain manipulation, um, that, that would be exactly what our team would use it for. It's like somebody took, you know, a major slide tackle or like our keeper took a, a hit as she's making a save and it would be like, Oh, grab the icy hot. Like, you know, they would smear it on and it would almost just be like a distraction for them. It's like, Oh, they can't yeah. feel the pain because <laughs> all we have is this like tingling sensation that is from yeah. the icy hot. Um, so yeah, I I don't personally know that there's any you know long term recovery benefits for it, um, but in terms of people using it to manipulate pain or you know something that feels good and helps them get to a point where they can recover later, um, I was smiling the whole time Dr. Austin was saying that I'm like oh my gosh this is like high school soccer all over. <laughs> recovery booster number six Epsom salt baths. 
Listen, I was totally unaware that this was a thing until Clash Daytona 2022 in the goodie bag that all the athletes received. There was a generous portion of Epsom bath salts, and I was very confused as to why this was in the goodie bag. And uh, the, the athletes around me, uh, Coach Joanna and Amy in particular, uh, they very quickly proclaimed to me the wonders of an Epsom salt bath. Uh, so does this just set the tone for a nice bath, or is there a deeper recovery benefit to using these? Krista? Well, the theory behind the Epsom salt baths is that they have magnesium and sulfate that gets absorbed into the muscle when you take the bath, and they say this helps with muscle relaxation. However, if you look into the scientific evidence behind it, it's lacking, okay? So what I always tell athletes when they develop out their recovery protocol, the question is, how do you feel after it, okay? How did the recovery actually maybe occur for you? Um, So I think there's more of a placebo there. Um, I don't have a ton of athletes who use them now that we have some other devices on the market to help with actual muscle recovery um, and that are a little more efficacious from a scientific standpoint of view. Um, But I will tell you the theory behind it is that the magnesium and sulfate um, is absorbed into the muscle and helps with relaxation. Yeah, I've... Uh-huh. I, I have a couple of coached athletes that absolutely swear by the okay. Epsom salt bath. And I mean, kind of the same thing. Well, you know, the the salt may not be providing the recovery that they're necessarily crediting it with. I will say that there's something about, you know, the warm water, just sitting down, relaxing. And I personally think that that's where they're getting the recovery benefit. They're actually allowing gotcha. themselves to relax after the workout. Yeah. And to that point, Elizabeth, uh, I think in our kind of go, 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 you know, achieve hustle society, uh, a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people struggle to, to slow down the pace of their day, the, the pace of their life. Uh, a lot of triathletes in particular, you know, we're, we're very well, often we're go getters. Often we, we are slaves to our training. Often we're, you know, we, and we're that way about a lot of things in our lives, right? We're, we're achievers, we're go getters. And, and, and yeah, if, if, if that Epsom, if having that bag of Epsom salts, is what like prompts you to take 30 minutes and relax, then in that case, yes, it is doing something to help you recover. So yeah, very, very great perspective there, Elizabeth. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, not enough to take a bath. I'm more of a shower guy, but uh, I, for people who that's their jam, that, that sounds great. Uh, and, and as I move us to recovery booster number seven, we're going to stick with the bath theme here. Um, ice baths are something that I've seen many a social media influencer you know, dipping themselves into an ice barrel, all while trying to convince me that I needed to to buy one and join the chili water recovery party. I've actually heard this one both ways. I've heard smart sounding people say that kind of the cold, hot back and forth protocols can genuinely help recovery. And I've heard some smart sounding people say that they don't really do a whole lot. Dr. Austin, help us out here. Um, So this all comes back to what really helps you decrease inflammation. Okay. So they have shown that a lot of things decrease inflammation. The question is what is going to help you get back to the point where you're going to restore your range of motion at the end of the day. Now I will tell you with athletes, I'm a big fan of putting them into ice baths and then putting them into, um, the, uh, compression systems like, you know, the hyper ice Normatec system. I can't remember the names of the others, um, and it really seems to help with restoring range of motion and the feeling they have in the joint. Always, it's about restoring range of motion and just putting enough control behind it, right, um, to to make sure you don't overtrain in some way. Um, but, yeah, I've seen a lot of things work like this very well. Now, Elizabeth, I, I do want to forewarn you. Um, now that our YouTube show is off and running, we, we have nine episodes of our YouTube show out there uh, in, in the YouTube sphere, um, at the time we're recording this podcast anyway, by the time this podcast releases, episode 10 will be about to come out. Um, and now that it's up and going, uh, if, if people ask like, Hey, why are you guys doing a YouTube show on the side of the podcast? It's for things like this. I want to get our, our staff coaches or regulars. I, I want to get everybody into an ice bath, an ice barrel of some sort and see who can last the longest in the ice bath. And Elizabeth, you will absolutely have to be somebody who participates in that challenge when we do that on the show. Uh, is this something you've ever tried, Elizabeth? Have, have you tried any any kind of extreme cold to extreme hot kind of back and forth kind of stuff to help you recover? Well, I tell you what, I'm always game for a competition, so you can count me in for that YouTube yes. segment. Um, 
but I am not going to put any bets on myself for being able to uh, outlast anybody else because I am a wimp for the cold. Um, yes, I have. I've done, oh my goodness, I've done, you know, cryotherapy. I've done ice baths. I've done the cold and then compression. Um, I've, I've done a lot of those things. And I think there's, you know, some great benefit in terms of reducing inflammation. I just don't like the cold. And so for me, I'm probably going to pick an alternative um, because I really hate being cold. So, yeah, I think there's benefits um, for me. It like gives me anxiety thinking about getting into the cold water. So I will choose an alternative. Okay. Okay. Good to know. I, I, for some reason, I can see Matt Bach, our director of marketing. I can see Matt winning that challenge, but we'll find out when we do that on the YouTube <laughs> show. So uh, massage and soft tissue tools. Now we do have podcast episodes with Dr. BJ Lieber telling us all about how to leverage massage and compression tools into our recovery routines. Uh, so spoiler alert, they can definitely boost recovery. But even with previous episodes about this, I, I couldn't do a list of recovery boosters without mentioning these kinds of tools. Dr. Austin, how do you like to see athletes leveraging massage and soft tissue tools? Um, well, I go back to first and foremost, does it restore range of motion and then also the psychological side? So when you look at massage and then soft tissue tools, I tend to put them in two different classifications because the soft tissue tools themselves will really help you work on areas where the connective tissue needs it. You know, I've got my foam roller in here, my golf ball and my tennis ball, all because of doing yeah. you know, some soft tissue work on a day to day basis. Right. Um, and then when it comes down to massage, you know, I think it's always one of those things where you do get in there and you do break up a lot of connective tissue aspects, but you can also turn around and, you know, undo that nice massage in that regard very quickly if you're not <laughs> careful about it. Um, but the psychological aspects of the massage, I think, are even more important. Um, it's a nice treat. It really helps psychologically. Now, in terms of what happens to the soft tissue after I've kind of just ripped it back up, right, by, you know, going back and working out again. Um, don't know that it lasts, but if you do it consistently, I think there's there's some definite benefits to that area if you've got, you know, kind of that musculature that needs it. Recovery booster number eight. Uh, we've, we've already on this list talked about a few things that can help us sleep a little bit better. Uh, but I, I just want to talk about sleep in general, just as a recovery booster. Uh, now, I love to sleep. I don't get to do it as much uh, these days as I would like to, but we hear how important it is to recovery. And in fact, we do have a full-on sleep episode planned for later this year, so that is coming. But for the purposes of this conversation, how does sleep, particularly uh, the, the supplements that promise to help us sleep, play a role in our recovery? So you have to think of sleep as your body's opportunity to reset its central nervous system, okay? Because you're not sitting there stimulating it over and over again with training or people asking for your time or kids crying and all that good stuff. So that's where it's, you know, sometimes kind of tough becoming a parent and, you know, the crying starts and the whole nine yards, right? At the end of the day, it's your greatest support. So anything that impairs it, you've got to turn around and say, okay, this is an area I have to address, there's a wide range of methods that can be used to improve sleep. So whether it's the temperature of the room, because maybe your body is that elevated in terms of core temperature throughout the day because of the extensive training you undergo. So oftentimes a real common one to help improve sleep. Um, you know, biochemical status. There are people that do not naturally produce enough melatonin themselves um, to get the pineal gland functioning. And so we'll use a small, small, tea tiny dose of melatonin, about half a milligram. And we'll give that like, you know, later in the afternoon, early evening, just to jumpstart their pineal glands, you know, production of the melatonin. Okay. So anything that has the potential to help us sleep better, we do. Uh, that's one of the thoughts behind the ketone esters that we talked about is that they're reducing that stress response, all the catecholamines and their actions and actually allowing you to sleep better as well when it's, you know, you're coming off something really stressful. Um, and then there's always, you know, compression equipment that people say it helps, you know, muscularly just with blood flow, what have you. Um, and then of course there's good old food, right? Um, food can always help us sleep better, especially when we're training hard. I can't tell you how many athletes 
have talked to me about getting up hungry and going into the kitchen and having to get a midnight snack when they're training really hard. And I'm like, oh, we're not doing something right then in, in our recovery if we're having to do that because we're waking up. We're breaking up the natural sleep cycle, the natural re-naturalization of circadian rhythms in the body. And so we want to address it from that fueling standpoint of view or even you know the training load side. If maybe it's just like, hey, I can't even get enough food in my body um, to accommodate the training load, then we got to take a good look at it as to why can we not get enough sleep. One of the things that I found super interesting, I was listening to an interview earlier this year with uh, Gustav Eden and Christian Blumenfeld, and they talked about how sleep was, you know, one of their greatest recovery weapons. And they said that they will even forego things like doing a nice bath or going out and getting a massage because sometimes after a session, all they want to do is go home and take a nap because they're like, we know that sleep is the best recovery. So yeah, we're not necessarily doing all of the fancy recovery things because we know if we go home, we take a nap, we rest, we're going to be better recovered than if we were running around trying to get in some of these other recovery aspects. I, I think us as average triathletes, right? Like it's, it's so much sexier to pop off like a serving of tarred cherry juice or to try a pill or to buy something that you hook up to your body that relaxes you like, like all those things are just way sexier than, than just going to sleep. Right. And so to hear that, you know, two of the top pros in the business today, just say, yeah, forget all that. Just go to sleep. Like that is such a powerful endorsement, uh, for just, for just, well, going yeah, to you sleep. know, nobody's Instagramming so great, about, Hey, yeah. just had a great 30 minute nap. Like <laughs> yeah. they're like, Hey, look at my tart cherry juice. Yeah, or, no, nobody, nobody cheers yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cheers for you for your afternoon uh-huh. nap, right? They're like, they're like, stop being lazy. Wake up. Uh, okay, recovery booster number nine. Uh, we got two more left here on the list. Now, Dr. Austin, th- this is one that's on the list because you wanted it to be on the list. And I, I can see why the further we've gotten into this conversation. Um, y- you prompted me to put this on on the show today because athletes often overlook food. Just day-to-day food, what you're eating. We overlook food as a way to boost our recovery. So talk to us about how crucial a role food can play in recovery. Yeah. So, you know, repleting the muscle itself and getting, you know, the blood flow going, the amino acid repair, the carbohydrate restored, especially for endurance athletes is super important. Okay. And I can't tell you how many times I've showed up to a training session and no one has what they're supposed to after a prolonged one in order to fuel their body, okay? They're not meeting minimum requirements and yet they've got to go train later that day or they're having a session that is uniquely hard. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? But don't worry, they brought the foam roller, they've got a mat, they've got, you know, the stretch cord, the whole nine yards. And they're like, yeah, I'm ready to, to recover afterwards. And they're like laying there, like heaven forbid they, you know, like have a sandwich, you know, while they're doing it, right? Um, and, and it's kind of <laughs> one of those kickers. Um, but, you know, I said, you know, one of the things we tried when I was with the Olympic Committee was to help ensure that when our athletes developed their recovery protocol, they always had food with them. And it was a critical component of it. And if you actually went into the recovery center there, what you would find was, you know, in under an hour, you could sit there having a recovery snack, doing your ice bath component and doing, you know, like a compression treatment. Um, to help facilitate recovery. So we tried to always make sure the nutrition was available, right? Whether it was, you know, a protein carbohydrate shake or, you know, a a cookie that was actually kind of calorie dense and a healthy cookie. Remember they had these cookies in there or, or a bar of some sort. We made sure it had enough protein and carbohydrate to help, you know, kind of fill the immediate need coming off of training. So it's always interesting to me when everyone buys all their tools and they're like, yeah, I don't do nutrition. Yeah, I, I started this episode with all, all the cute things you can buy and try. And and, and I ended with sleep and food. And I, I probably should have started with sleep and food and then moved on to all the cutesy little things you can try and buy. Uh, and our last one today is kind of along those same lines as well. It's recovery booster number 10. Uh, this is hydrating properly. Uh, my good friends at Precision Fuel and Hydration uh, have a blog on their website that talks about using hydration as a means to recover. Uh, they would be mad at me forever if I did not include this on this list because they believe so much in, in hydrating properly as means of recovery. Uh, Elizabeth, Dr. Austin, I know you agree with this. So, uh, Dr. Austin, what do you say to your athletes about hydrating your way to better recovery? 
Well, I thought the joke with Tridot was, and probably with everyone else that knows me, is like, can she go an episode without talking, you know, about hydration? Okay. <laughs> um, so 100% is probably the greatest recovery booster and the most simplistic recovery booster outside of nutrition itself that you can use. So it's going to help you not only cognitively recover, but it's going to help with like blood flow to the muscles, to the brain, removal of waste, um, and then just also delivery of the nutrition you need to help that, that muscle get recovered again. Um, so a lot of it has to do with blood flow. Okay, if you're super dehydrated, your kidneys are working harder for everything, and you're just forcing your body to try and push things along, you're not getting the job done on recovery. So first and foremost, I try to help my athletes make sure they start to deliver their hydration as they begin the recovery process. So, you know, typically you'll see like just an electrolyte beverage with us as they also begin to consume some carbohydrate and protein. And I'll say, you know, if you can get eight to 12 ounces down of actual electrolytes prior to even engaging with the food, and typically they can pretty easily, um, you know, you're going to do your world, your body a world of good because all of a sudden you're helping blood flow restore to the gastrointestinal system and then we can start actually pushing those nutrients out. Otherwise, you might have a little bit of an issue getting them to the muscle. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Welcome to the cool down, everyone. I'm Vanessa, your average triathlete with elite level enthusiasm. Chad Rolfs is our TriDoc coach, who will be bringing us the coach cool down tip today. Chad works as a senior quality engineer on the Photoshop team with Adobe and focuses on customer digital painting and usability workflows. He's been married for 21 years and lives in Shoreline, which is just north of Seattle, with his wife, two sons, and his adorable corgi named Cheeto. Chad was a Div 1 All-American swimmer in college and was recently inducted into the Washington State Swimming Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that, Chad. That is a massive accomplishment. On the triathlon side of things, he has completed multiple Olympic distance and 70.3s, including Worlds in 2021, and he is currently training for his second full distance try. Chad has been coaching with TriDot for over a year and is a certified TriDot Pool School instructor. He loves coaching beginners and intermediates, and he works mainly with long course athletes, all while specializing in swimming. Chad! I am so excited to have you on the cool down. I am so excited too. I have to say, Vanessa, your elite level enthusiasm is totally contagious. Oh, I love it. I, you know, this brings me back, me back to um, a quote that I used to stick on my resume when I was like, you know, 18. And it said, enthusiasm is like a ripple. It spreads. And I've really like taken that to heart. And, and I feel, totally. yeah, I feel like it is contagious. And and so the happier and more excited I am, I'm just hoping that it will make the world a happier and more excited place. <laughs> it does, it ripples out. That's great. So something that most people don't know about you is that you have a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. Now, my niece just received her black belt a few weeks ago, and I can tell y'all out there who have not witnessed the process of not only getting the black belt, but the test itself it is mind blowing. And what is involved in that entire process is slightly terrifying. Um, so I can tell you, Chad, that you're incredible for the perseverance and dedication that, that you've invested in, in this endeavor in your life. Wow. Thanks. Um, yeah, I don't practice anymore, but it, it was definitely a challenge and definitely a, um, a great way to cross train, um, it, you know, I mean, it helps focus, uh, balance, control, overall body awareness. And uh, I was thinking about this, you know, leading up to this and the five tenets of Taekwondo definitely apply to the sport of triathlon. Mm. Those tenets are courtesy, integrity, perseverance, self-control and indomitable spirit. Definitely, definitely applies to triathlon. I love that. I just got shivers up my whole body. I love those five tenants. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to write that down and keep it somewhere really special that I see on a regular. That's really cool. Yeah. And you know, the amount of mental fortitude that it takes to get through all of that training and testing is second to none. So I feel like the tip that you're going to share with us today is something that you have 
probably practiced many times over. And over. (laughs) Something I've learned and relearned many times. Um, But I think I have a hunch that this might be a strength for you, this tip. Um, I think for most of us, um, when we're riding front and center on the struggle bus, we uh, tend to pull inside ourselves mm-hmm. um, and get quiet and we kind of suffer alone. So my mental tip today is uh, to not do that, but instead focus on someone else and engage. Oh. And a great example of that, of like applying that is the Saturdays with group rides that um, that I've participated in. You know, everybody's grinding, doing the hard work, taking turns in the hurt locker. And um, it, it makes it so much easier when there's a conversation going and encouragement is flying. Um, sometimes I'll throw in a dad joke and it just helps change the mind shift. Like It's like, you know, everybody's suffering and it's like, then you get something out of left field, like a dad joke. And, and it kind of changes, you know, the, you, the course of your mind. And and then some people are trying to like figure out what the answer is to the dad joke, you know, before it comes up. And it's like, it's, it's awesome. So whether you're like in a live race too, like when you're passing someone or whether they're passing you, like you can give them a shout out. You can say, oh my gosh, I love your kit. And it just kind of jumps you out of that, you know, just the struggle of being in that suffering. Yeah. I, I think that that's a really huge thing to be cognizant of because you're right. Like if you, if you're so inside your own thoughts and you're in a dark place, you're focusing on that, that dark thing. But as soon as you avert your attention and energy to something that's outside of you, it's like this mental switch, you know, that in your brain, there's like something happening there where you're no longer focusing on what's so difficult in that exact moment. I can tell you since living over in Australia, I miss those Zwift rides like nobody's business. I would be doing my two by 18s and I would be dying, but I just felt that because like you said, everyone is suffering together and you know that people are cheering you on and it's just like, it's just so uplifting. There's not many things that I am looking forward to about moving back to <laughs> North America, but the Zwift rides is is probably one of the things at the top of the list. Oh yeah, can't wait till you're back in there. And it's yeah, I mean, you put something out and you never know what's going to come back. But like often, it's you get a lot of good resonance out of what you throw out there. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great Tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training.